You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Let's take our Bibles tonight. 1 Kings chapter 17 is where we're going. 1 Kings chapter 17, and it's 724. Preliminaries went a little bit quick, and uh, so we might just get out a little early. Brother Dan got his hopes up there, but I, I don't know. Might is a, is a very unsure word, Brother Dan, so we'll see. Uh, but 1 Kings chapter 17, we're going through the past couple weeks now. Uh, we've been going with uh, the teens. We've been studying the life of Elijah, the life of Elijah, and uh, we've covered his background, and we were now going to the different places and studying out just where God took Elijah through his journey. Quite an amazing story, and I'd have to say that probably Elijah is, is one of my favorite uh, men in, in the Bible, favorite characters. And uh, so we're going to continue on, if you will, if, if you don't mind, we'll continue on our, our study here of the life of Elijah. Um, we started with Elijah's background, and if you'll notice there in 1 Kings 17, and verse number 1, the Bible says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab. That's his background. Not much, is there? He just kind of came on the scene, and uh, he had something to say to Ahab. And as we, we look here, his father isn't mentioned. We, we see his land is mentioned. It's almost like God just kind of dropped off a gift of grace and mercy named Elijah uh, for the land of Israel. This spiritual condition of Israel at this time was very, uh, very bad. Uh, they, they had steeped into idolatry. Uh, largely, we'll give the credit to Jezebel, as Ahab thought it was a light thing uh, to walk in the ways of uh, uh, Jeroboam. And uh, he took to wife Jezebel, and Jezebel was from the land of Zidon. He, uh, she was a princess, and her dad was the king of Zidon and Tyre. And uh, Jezebel worshipped Baal. Now, Baal was a general term. There was, uh, there was a specific name uh, for the Baal that she worshipped, but this specific Baal was the Baal that was in charge of, or they believed was in charge of, the elements, like rain. Believed that, uh, you know, you pray to this Baal and, and it'll give you a good produce uh, for the year. And so that was the idolatry that Israel was experiencing during this time. We find the message... Because of the spiritual condition of Israel and how wicked Ahab and uh, his accomplice Jezebel was, we find the message was very direct from God uh, through Elijah. The, the Bible says in verse 1, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. You see, uh, Jezebel challenged the existing of the living God by replacing him with Baal. But God's answer to Jezebel and turning the nation of Israel to Baal worship, God's answer to that was the man Elijah. Elijah comes on the scene as a faithful servant who we know nothing about, but yet he comes and faithfully proclaims God's word, God's message with boldness to the king. After proclaiming God's message to Ahab, God tells Elijah to hide at the brook Cherith. And so we, we are continuing in our journey here from confronting the king, telling him there's going to be a drought until I say so. And now he's going, the Bible says in verse 2, and the word of the Lord came unto him saying, get thee hence, 
and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. We can imagine that Jezebel wasn't very happy with what Elijah had to say to her husband. And so she was out to get him. And so God says, well, I'm going to protect you, Elijah, but I need you to go hide at the brook Cherith. That word Cherith, it means cutting or separation. It's the, a cutting place for Elijah. This is where God would work on Elijah. We find that uh, this place, Cherith, was a place of separation. He was all alone. There was nobody else there. This place was a place of security. Now, uh, uh, Elijah was protected by God, but this, this place specifically was a place where people would retreat and get protection because it was kind of out of the way. It was also a place of sustenance for Elijah as God would provide food and water for Elijah by the means of birds in the brook. And then we find that Cherith is also a place of submission uh, because Elijah had to submit himself and humble himself to be eating food from a, a dirty bird, uh, the raven, right? And so we find that uh, this cutting place allowed uh, for Elijah to be prepared for the work that God had for him. And now we're focusing tonight uh, on not Cherith, but God led Elijah to another place called Zarephath. And so if you would, let's uh, pick up reading here in verse 7 of chapter 17 of 1 Kings. The Bible says, And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of the sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. We'll continue reading in just a little bit. But that's the place we're focusing on today is the city of Zarephath. And so if you would, would you pray with me and ask God to speak to our hearts tonight with the, the, the time that we have remaining as we focus on what God did through Elijah at the city of Zarephath. Lord, I pray that you'd bless as we get into your word tonight as a little bit different than what I'm used to preaching uh, in, in a service. But Lord, it's, it's a Bible study tonight, and I pray that you'd use your word to speak to our hearts. I pray that you'd reveal to us uh, maybe some areas that uh, we would uh, work on uh, to, to get closer to you. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'd receive all the glory tonight for what, what's said and what's done, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're taking notes uh, this evening, which I encourage you to, notes are good. Uh, one thing, notes help you not to fall asleep if you're struggling uh, with that. And uh, that, that helped me a lot through college, trying to write down some notes, and so I wouldn't doze off sometimes, uh, because as a college student, you'd get a little tired, all right? And, and I can imagine now, as I'm an adult, we get tired all the time, don't we? And so that might help you take notes. Another thing I like to take notes for is so I can kind of keep my place where the preacher's at in the message. And then I also like to take notes so that after the message and when I go home, I have that sheet of paper and I can review uh, what was, was preached on at church. And uh, so that's why I take notes, and, and I'd encourage you to if you have a pen. But uh, number one we're looking at, they all start with P, the place. Let's look at the place. What's the place? Zarephath. Zarephath is the place, the location we're looking at here. And uh, I, I want to draw your attention here in verse 9. It says, Arise, God tells Elijah, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon. Now, I don't know if, if you're connecting the dots, but Zidon, didn't, what, what do we know about Zidon? 
that was, uh, that was where Jezebel was from. And she was born in Zidon. Her, her daddy was the king of Zidon. And God is telling me now to go out of hiding from this brook Cherith, where I was protected, where I was alone, where I was safe from the murderous Jezebel. And God wants me now to go to Zarephath in Zidon. Surely I'm not going to have any cover there. Maybe Elijah at that point questioned and said, Lord, are, are you sure that's where you want me to go? But God says, there I prepared a widow woman there to sustain thee. This word Zarephath, it means refining place. So we had Cherith, which was in the introduction. That was the cutting place. And God allowed that place to cut away at Elijah and take away some things that he realized he didn't need to serve the Lord. And maybe a distraction that, uh, that he could get rid of to focus more on what God uh, would have for him in the future. Zarephath was the refining place or the smelting place. It was a place to refine, like uh, for metals. It was a place, meaning to fire, like when you fire bricks. Smelting, if you don't know, which I didn't quite know, so I look it up. That's what I usually do. Google is my friend sometimes. Smelting is the process of extracting a base metal from its ore. So it's, it is a refining process, pulling out uh, iron from iron ore or pulling out copper from copper ore. Then we have uh, more familiar is the word refining, like we would refine gold. And that's the process of uh, extracting impurities from gold at its melting point. You would melt down the gold. What would happen to the impurities? It would allow the impurities to rise to the top, so they just scrape off the impurities and have that uh, pure gold uh, on, on the bottom. So we have Zarephath. That's the place um, that Elijah is going to now. He's been cut away, and now he's going to be refined. You might have had one of these or have seen uh, the product of these, but anyone ever heard of a rock tumbler? A rock tumbler. Uh, you get some rocks that are kind of jagged and dull looking, uh, maybe from the river, and you, you take those rocks and you put it in a rock tumbler that has uh, a certain type of grit, and the more coarse of grit will wear away the rock more. But you put it in that rock tumbler, and after a matter of days or weeks, you take those rocks out, and what happened? Well, the rocks are no longer jagged and dull, uh, they're starting to get more smooth and, and actually get a shine to it, and they're more beautiful. That's the refining process that we're talking about. God was sending Elijah through a refining process at this moment. This is the place. Number two, let's look at the people. The people involved in this, uh, in this story, in this account here in, in uh, 1 Kings chapter 17, first of all, was Elijah. Elijah was the man of God. And let's, think, let's put ourselves tonight in Elijah's shoes, if you will. Let's think about, okay, I, I just confronted King Ahab. Now I'm hiding from Ahab and Jezebel because they're not very happy with me with what I had to tell them. And God sent me to Cherith, the brook Cherith. And, and uh, really, I, I was there for a while until the brook dried up because of the drought. And God did a work in me. And now I'm, I'm following the Lord to this place called Zarephath, which is a little bit less safe than Cherith, and I'm supposed to be taken care of by a widow woman. Uh, God says a widow woman was, would sustain me. Elijah demonstrated boldness when he delivered that message to King Ahab. And Elijah demonstrated faith as he followed God's leading to Cherith. Elijah is now demonstrating faithfulness as he obeys God's instruction to subject himself to the care of a widow woman. So we have Elijah in this account. And then we have the widow woman. Let's look at the widow woman tonight and, and, and let's kind of gather some information about her. Uh, we see here 
that uh, we see in verse uh, 10, if you will. So he rose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. Okay, we understand she's a widow. Her husband passed away. She's now alone. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And verse 11 says, And she was going to fetch it. And he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but an handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. Wow. We have a widow woman who lost her husband. We know she has a son. And we, we know she doesn't have any food and no money because if she had money, she'd probably just go out and buy food. But now she's gathering two sticks to make their last meal, her and her son, that they may die. We see a very troubled lady, maybe very discouraged, very distraught, not knowing what to do besides make this last meal and die. So we have these two people, Elijah and the widow woman. Whether the widow woman knew it or not, God was leading her to the gate at the right time. Would you look at that with me? It says here in uh, verse 9, it says, I have commanded. God says, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Now, I don't know if God showed up to the widow woman and said, hey, I need you to go to the gate at such and such time because Elijah, the man of God, is going to be there and you're going to sustain him. I almost kind of doubt that's the case because what happened? Well, she happened to be at the gate, which God uh, allowed that to happen, and, and whether she knew it or not, God was leading her to that gate at that very specific time. But the Bible says that she wasn't gathering for Elijah. She wasn't gathering to sustain him. She was actually quite surprised. Uh, she was just planning on making a meal for her and her son. I can imagine here, as, as uh, Elijah says, I pray thee, uh, fetch me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. In verse 11, she says, and as she was going to fetch it, that's no problem. Water, I can do that for you, Elijah. I, I can do that, not really knowing who this man was. But then I can imagine, it, if, you, if you picture it with me, as she's walking away, it's like, okay, I'm just going to get this water, and then I'm going to go back to making this last meal for my son and I. And then Elijah says, and, oh, and, and by the way, could you please make me a little cake too, because I'm hungry. I can imagine she just stopped dead in her tracks and her heart just dropped. She thought, you don't, you don't understand what you're asking of me. You don't understand that that's all I have, and my son and I were going to eat it, and now you're saying to give it to you? We find this widow uh, woman here who met Elijah at the right time, but we are approaching now the problem. We had the place, we have the people, and now we have the problem. And what is the problem? Well... The initial problem was the spiritual condition of Israel. Because of the spiritual condition of Israel, God sent a drought, no rain. And because there's no rain, uh, the result is a lack of water and a lack of food. And because there's a lack of water and a lack of food, now the price of food is going higher, and only those that can uh, financially support themselves can actually afford a meal. And now everybody is, is uh, trying to work together what little they have just to barely survive. This is the problem. She had no food. She had no money. Let's continue reading here. 
It says, uh, and behold, uh, verse 12, and she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal and a barrel, and a little cruise and an oil, uh, or a little oil and a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I, I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. This is impossible. Verse 14, for thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. Wow, what a promise that would be. Wouldn't that be amazing if, if, if that were to truly happen? Maybe the widow's thinking, uh, I, I can't even imagine this, this little that I have. How in the world can God supply my need with this little bit? I don't understand, but Elijah's telling me that this is the promise that God is telling me. And so, what did she do in verse 15? The Bible says, and she went. She obeyed. She had faith and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. So we see the place, we see the people, we see the problem, but now as we're reading, we see the providence. And so write that down. Number four, the providence. No doubt this widow woman was fearful, discouraged, distraught. She was at her wit's end. She didn't know what else to do but to eat and die. But may I remind you just a few examples in the Bible. May I remind you that Isaac thought his life was over but God provided a ram. May I remind you that Joseph thought his life was over, but God brought him out of the pit and out of the prison. The children of Israel thought their lives were over, but God parted the Red Sea. The children of Israel thought their lives were over, but God provided manna to eat. The children of Israel thought that their lives were over, but God supplied water out of a rock. Jonah thought his life was over, but God prepared a whale. Job thought his life was over, but God gave him twice as much as he had before. Hezekiah thought his life was over, but God gave him 15 more years to live. The leper in, in the Gospels thought his life was over, but Jesus healed him. Mary and Martha thought Lazarus' life was over, but Jesus raised him from the dead. The thief on the cross thought his life was over, but Jesus gave him paradise. The disciples thought their lives were over, but Jesus rose again on the third day. The poor widow woman here, she thought her life was over, but God gave her a barrel of meal and cruise of oil that wasted not. And you may think tonight, under the sound of my voice, if you're listening on the radio, if you're here in person, you may think that your life is over tonight. But may I remind you, God is still on the throne. God is still faithful. God is still in control, and God is still supplying your needs tonight. So don't ever give up. Just pray, as the song says, like he provided for Isaac and Joseph and the children of Israel and Jonah and Job and Hezekiah, the leper, Lazarus, the thief on the cross, the disciples, this poor widow, he will provide for you tonight. God allows us to endure faith trying times so that we can experience the provision that's only possible with God. God's going to allow you to go through some certain things in your life that are unforeseen and you don't have a solution to. And the only reason God's allowing you to go through that is to make you stronger in your faith 
and to make you realize that there's some things that only God can answer according to his perfect provision for your life. Charles Spurgeon says, we cannot always trace God's hand, but we can, also, uh, but we can always trust God's heart. So we find the providence. And then lastly tonight, and we'll be finished, is the proving. Let's continue to read here. We, we find that this amazing, this amazing mountaintop for this widow woman. She thought, man, she thought she was, it was over. Her, her and her son were just going to die. And now God is supplied in this miraculous way where the barrel of meal doesn't waste and the cruise of oil, it continues on until the time that they don't need it anymore, until the rain came back for the earth. And while being on that mountaintop, there's, the story continues here in verse 17. The Bible says, And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. Verse 18, And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? He said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him into a loft where he abode and laid upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourn by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. The Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in, in thy mouth is truth. Our last point tonight is the proving. We saw the provision of God, and now after God just miraculously worked in this widow's life, we find the proving of this widow's faith, the proving of Elijah's faith. Now God tests the faith of the widow and Elijah again as this widow's son falls sick. You know, how soon we forget, it's our human nature, how soon we forget, and after we experience that mountaintop, like God just really broke through here. God, he just really answered this prayer. And it was something that, that I, I couldn't even dream of. And yet he just far surpassed my imagination to where he answered this in such a miraculous way. And we experienced that mountaintop and, and we're on that mountaintop for, they were on it for almost three years and just uh, praising God that the, the meal wasn't wasting and the oil was there for them and God was faithful. And now God allows another tragedy to enter. God allows this other proving moment now as they're going down from the mountaintop and into another valley. How soon we forget about the mountaintops of the miracles that God has done in our lives, and we become fearful in the next unforeseen situation. For the widow woman, it took this tragedy in her life to verify that Elijah uh, was the man of God. Corey Ten Boom once said, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to, an un uh, to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. D.L. Moody said, Trust in yourself, and you are doomed to disappointment. Trust in money, and you may have it taken from you. But trust in God, and you are never to be confounded in time or eternity. God is the one who overcomes every obstacle that we would face. 
It took this tragedy and in, in this widow's woman, uh, widow woman's life to even build her faith even more and to verify how true God was to answer her needs. I remember uh, just a, a couple of years ago, uh, my wife and myself and Michael, Emma wasn't born yet, we were traveling on an airplane uh, to California. And this was the, the first uh, trip to California where Michael was just a little bit older. He wasn't just an infant because uh, when he was just an infant, he'd just sleep through the whole plane ride, no problem at all. And uh, I remember this specific time, we, we were up in the air, and Michael was tired. He, he, uh, he uh, fell asleep, and so he was sleeping uh, through a good portion of the plane ride, and about halfway through, we're, uh, mind you, we're, we're in, the, in the air, you know, however thousands of feet up they say we are, and uh, Michael starts to wake up from his, his nap, and he just didn't seem quite right. And I remember you know, looking at Grace and, and, and thinking, you know, you think he's all right and, and kind of not, not looking so good, you know, kind of looking lethargic and try to, you know, he was waking up, so we were trying to get him to respond to us, and he just kind of wasn't acting right. And his breathing started to get a little shallow, and what scared me the most was when his lips started to turn blue. And I just thought, what in the world is happening? And uh, th- this is our son. This is our first son. This is, you know, we're, we're new at being parents, and, and now we're thousands of feet up in the air and, and our, our child isn't acting right and, and really not responding to us and lips are turning blue, shallow breathing. What in the world? And I remember feeling so helpless in that situation. Like th- th- there is literally nothing I can do. I'm, I, 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 I can try to, to figure it out. I'm going to get help. So we alerted help uh, and the flight attendants asked if there was a nurse on the plane and the nurse came. Uh, there was, happened to be a nurse and, and uh, she came and, and sat next to us and tried to help us figure out what was wrong with him. And I just remember in that moment thinking, we're, we're thousands of feet up in the air. We're stuck. This God, this, this is going to have to be you answering uh, in a miraculous way because I have no idea what's happening to our son at this moment. And my heart's breaking and, and uh, Grace and, and, and I are, are, are praying uh, silently as the nurse is trying to figure out what, what we can do. And I remember as we were praying there and, and as we were trying to get Michael just to act normal and uh, to kind of come back and and uh, they brought some apple juice, and uh, he took a few sips of apple juice, just kind of real faint, and I just kind of stuck the straw in his, in his mouth. He took a couple sips, and, and just like that, the color came back to his lips, and he started to kind of uh, snap to, you know, and, and uh, I remember that moment uh, from feeling so helpless and, and feeling like my heart's just breaking, like, Lord, this, you're going to have to take control, because obviously I'm not in control, and Grace isn't in control here. This is you. And uh, the, the relief, knowing that, that uh, God is answering a prayer right then on the spot. And, uh, you know, that, that was a scary situation for me. And I, I know there are far worse situations and far more scary things that uh, we haven't experienced. But in that moment for me, I just had to realize, man, that our only son was in danger. Our only son could be taken from us. I, don't, I didn't know. And God answered that. And he strengthened our faith through that situation. You know, I, I, I think the widow woman was feeling the same way, and even more so, where literally her son has been so sick that he was on his deathbed. There was no more breath left in him, the Bible says. And Elijah, God used him to bring that son back. You know, maybe we all go through trying times, proving times, to test our faith and our dependence on the Lord and Him alone. And maybe God allowed the widow to experience this second miracle, just like Abraham. Remember, Abraham had to experience the 
uh, letting go of his son Isaac and being willing to sacrifice Isaac took them that event to understand that God was in control and that we must fully trust him, even with the dearest things, closest things to us in our life. May I ask you tonight, we, we may not understand God's plan, but do we trust him? There are times we're not going to understand his plan, but we do need to trust him. We may not know the leading of his hand, but we need to hold to it. The Lord is not looking for you to solve your problems. He wants us to look to him. God displayed his providence to Elijah and to this widow woman, and God was using Zarephath, this refining place, to really uh, mold him and to shape him and to polish Elijah off for some incredible things like Mount Carmel in that context. But he had to go through a Zarephath first. Could I ask you tonight as, as uh, we close, how is God trying to refine you tonight? Elijah had to go through Zarephath. But how is God trying to refine you tonight? What, what is God bringing into your life? And what, what have you gone through today? And what might you go through to where you just have to let God do some refining? But may I encourage you tonight, when God allows those situations to refine you, just let him. Just let him do a work in your life, and you won't be disappointed. You won't regret it. Would you just trust his plan and hold his hand? I, I, I want us to take, if you have the gold hymnal, I want us to close tonight with a song, and it's 75 in the gold hymnal. Rejoice in the Lord, written by Ron Hamilton. And if you would with me, I'd, I'd like to sing some of these verses here together. God never moves without purpose or plan. Would you sing it with me there, 75 in the gold? God never moves without purpose or plan. I could not see through the shadows ahead. So I looked at the cross of my Savior instead. I bowed to the will of the Master that day. And then peace came and tears fled away. Now I can see. Would you sing it there with me on the last? Now I can see. Testing comes from above. Now I can see. Testing comes from above. God's Right. 
listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.